0: You're listening to The Other Side, a podcast designed to help people, regardless of their experience, figure out how to make that leap and thrive in the ever changing and chaotic business world. I'm James Iwana, a recent graduate who's trying to find his place in this crazy world.
1: And I'm Renata Squario, a senior executive of 30 years who's worked in some of Australia's largest organisations. And as my daughters grow up, I want this to be my legacy them and the next generation the world of work is changing and i want to help them and you thrive on the other side
0: well howdy listeners and welcome to episode 7 and this episode is all about body language and how to hold yourself in in an interview or when networking or when working because you know we we often at least in my in my shoes, in my mind, we often focus so much when preparing for interviews or presentations about the words we're gonna say and how to sound smart or sound like we know what we're talking about. And often forget that our body language actually betrays what we what what comes out of our mouth and and, you know, tells a completely different story. I mean, for example, you can say how much you love something, but if your arms are crossed, then that's generally an indicator that that maybe you don't quite love it as much as you are saying you are and people might be a little bit suspicious and as my girlfriend often says don't be suspicious don't be suspicious which is i believe a vine but what do i know <laughs> so today's episode after all that rambling is all about body language and ren gave us a key stat that i believe it was 90 between 90 and 93 percent of your language, including verbal and body language, actually comes from your body language and how your how your body is is often the message that you're you're sending out. Not not necessarily the words that are coming out. So Ren, enlighten me, enlighten our listeners on some absolute gold that you're going about about to say about body language, because I am all ears, and I will not cross my arms while you talk.
1: Not that anyone will be able to tell, but thank you, because that will throw me straight off my game, James. Hey, listeners. So, yes, absolutely, as we ended last episode, and very much uh, a fact that basically between 90 and 93% of any communication is actually, or the effectiveness, I should say, is determined by the nonverbal. So, therefore, James, exactly what you said... Human beings generally spend a lot of time thinking about what they're going to say, not how they're going to say it. Whereas, in fact, the most effective and successful people focus on the how. And you'll find that people who influence well, communicate well, and get the results that they're after are the people that practice the nonverbals or the how just as much or far more than the what. So we're going to explore that topic today. I bring you this as someone who, and I I admit this to very few, but I used to be the president of a Toastmasters club. When I joined one of the organisations that I worked for uh, in my career, I always thought myself a really good communicator. I was on the debating team at school. I've always been, you know, blah, 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 talking a lot. And I actually thought I was really accomplished as as a communicator, and then someone that I was working with told me about Toastmasters. I'd never even heard about Toastmasters and they were really surprised because Toastmasters is like a big thing around the world and has been for a long time and they said well why don't you come along to a Toastmasters club and we need people who are confident speakers that other people can learn from because the whole idea behind Toastmasters is people come along and they practice speaking and they learn from each other. So rather than you know read about it in a textbook, come along, try new things, you're in a safe environment and, you know, everyone learns from each other. So I went along and I'll never forget in the reading or the preparation that you have to do for the session, it talked about the use of, the like, bridging words, like um and so and, you know, aha or whatever. And interestingly, there is a thing in Toastmasters where someone counts how many times you say um... So I turned along, very brave, thinking how awesome I am. I got up to do my first speech and when I finished, they give you feedback straight away, which is great, and we'll actually explore feedback in an in a, uh, episode down the track. So when I got my feedback, um, very bravely listening to the feedback, thinking how awesome they're going to tell me I am, the um counter said to me that I'd said um 28 times. And my, my first thought was... Absolutely, I did not. I don't say um. And of course, as it turns out, i said um quite a few times and was really unaware that I was doing it. And the reason why I'm telling you the Toastmasters story is it really opened up my mind to one that I didn't really have a lot of self-awareness around the things that could potentially derail my communication style in terms of what I hope to achieve, ...through the communication that I was actually in the middle of. So when you're talking to other people... ...there are things that kind of can derail your conversation... ...and getting great outcomes. Things like um. So those things make the listener feel like you don't know... ...what you want to say next. And so you're just kind of stopping and thinking. And you know in Toastmasters they talk about the importance of a pause... ...for example. the, The criticality of putting a pause in at the right time to really land a message and give yourself time to think about what you want to say next without using a word like um or so or whatever that is. So I think there I was saying so, (laughs) oh my goodness. Anyway, basically what's really important to think about in any communication is very importantly things like how you're saying it, how quickly you're speaking how precisely you're speaking, the tone of your voice, your eye contact. Are you sitting with your arms crossed? Do you have your shoulders back? If you're standing, how are you standing? Are you taking a power pose? Are you slumping? All of those things, interestingly, the human brain of the person listening to you is reacting to all of those things. And in fact, it's almost like they switch off from what you're saying ...to how you're saying it, even though you think they're listening intently to exactly what you're saying. So I think it's really important that we explore those things one by one. Let's start with voice. When you speak very quickly, basically it's giving the listener, the, the person you're communicating with... ...the sense that there's something to worry about. If you're speaking really fast... They're getting a sense of, oh, my goodness, this, this is kind of, this is alarming. The person's not relaxed. The person's not sort of got the tone and the pace and the voice right. And hopefully you pick that up in what I just did. Speaking really fast like, hey, James, let's go to the park. Oh, my goodness, it's such a great day. Versus, hey, James, let's go to the park. What an awesome day. I'd love to go and get some sunshine. Those two ways of saying the exact same thing gives the listener or James in this situation a much, much different impression of what you're trying to say, the mood that you're in, the person that you are, all of those things that's unsaid but they are forming views on in their head and that is the way the human brain works because the human brain is actually wired to pick up signals for survival and... There's quite a bit of uh, detail around this on the website, maxme.com.au, and the articles written on resilience and the whole fight or flight reflex. So I won't go into it here because we don't have a long time together. But get online and have a read through that and it'll give you a much stronger sense of why is it so important that when you're communicating with someone else that you use the non-verbals to give them a sense of what you want and where you're coming from. The more relaxed you are, the more grounded you are, the better it is and the better outcome that you'll get from your communication. James, your thoughts? How are you finding your ability to navigate things like interviews in the non-verbal way? Do you find yourself reflecting afterwards? Did I speak too fast? Did I use my voice well? Did I maintain really good eye contact? How did I sit are you spending the time reflecting on those things?
0: It's an interesting question. I probably should reflect on how I'm talking and, and what I've said a bit more after an interview. But in saying that, I've taken some steps and learnt a lot of valuable lessons, probably the hard way along my journey thus far that has meant that I am a little bit m- more assured in myself and a little bit more confident in my presentation. And what I mean by that is... Now, this will sound ridiculous, but bear with me. But in about year four, I got in trouble for saying something. I don't remember what it was, but I used to have a quick mouth. You know, First thing that came into my mouth was exactly what I said. No filter whatsoever. And I got in trouble. And my teacher... You know, you get sent to the office. And my teacher said, James, you just got to slow down and think about what you're saying before you say it. For some reason, it stuck with me, even though I thought it was absolute nonsense. It stuck with me. And I always try to take the time to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. Now, sometimes I fall back into the habit of having a quick mouth and no filter, and it still gets me into trouble. And that's probably my point where I turn around and reflect and think, you know, James, you've done it again. You know, remember year four. And I've also, you know, taken steps. In year 10, I took, I did a bit of theatre because I just didn't have any confidence talking in front of people or doing anything in front of people. I had some confidence, but I generally sweat there's a lot of sayings, but I'm not going to say any of them because they're probably disrespectful.
1: People fear public speaking more than they fear death, James.
0: And I just – I took theatre so I could have a bit of confidence. Ironically, the play we did had no words, but the <laughs> – the uh,
1: That's probably good discipline, though, because it would have made you use your body in ways that you wouldn't exactly,
0: have. Yeah, but the semester or however long I did it for was really valuable in – give me a lot of confidence and and in high school at any opportunity to do debating i would take it to just throw myself in the deep end and i see the results in it you know i'm more comfortable now in in talking in front of people still nervous as anything going into public speaking i mean talking in front of huge crowds but um i'm I'm pretty relaxed now and, and assured that I'm not going to make a fool of myself. And that that's nice to know that I can focus on the words and how I'm saying them as opposed to, you know, are my pants on? Am I going to make a fool of myself? Am I sweating through my my shirt or whatever it is I'm wearing? I mean, obviously, you, you double-check that you've you've put your pants on before you get up there, but, you know, it's not as pressing as... It used to be.
1: I think it also, certainly when I was doing Toastmasters, they talked to you about the different tips and tricks that you can do to steady your nerves. And and once again, we explore some of that um, through through the, the information that you'll find on the website, particularly around impromptu speaking. Some of the scariest speaking is when somebody asks you a question that you didn't expect or from left field and you're sort of in a situation where you've got to answer. And so some of those, you know, how do you steady your nerves, how do you not squeak or speak in a high-pitched way or really fast or whatever those things that can derail you and and just kind of calm answer as well as you can. But, you know, I won't go into that right now. What I will say, though, is practice is really important, James, and I'm really glad that you raised that. If you are not a, a confident public speaker and... 97% 97% of people are not even I'm still the most not. well but even the most confident public speakers also fee- they get nervous of course they do before they speak to big crowds because you're constantly worried about what are people going to think how are they going to judge me they're going to think I'm an idiot they're going to think I'm not worth listening to all of those things that play out in our heads that's normal even the most confident people feel that way But what's really important is you're only going to get good at it if you put yourself out there, take yourself out of your comfort zone and face into the very things that you need to be better at. And everybody needs to be able to communicate. So if you're not a natural communicator, what are the things that you can do using your strengths that you do have to find ways to practice being a better communicator and a better public speaker? So thanks, James, that was really helpful. Anyway, so basically, as we said... You know, when you communicate, 90 to 93% of that communication is not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. So, we spoke about the importance of using your voice, having calm voice modulation when you're speaking to someone, using voice inflection as well to create interest in what you're saying. Sometimes speak low, sometimes speak high. When you want to really emphasize something, Use the kind of upward voice motion for those words. Those are really important things to think about and practice as well. Pacing and use of voice inflection can be very powerful in terms of selling a message and telling your story, communicating, interviewing, all of those things. So, that is really important. The other thing I would stress is use of eye language. uh, Eye language. Oh, my goodness. Use of eye contact and... Being able to look someone in in the eye when you speak is really hard, particularly if you come from a culture where looking down is is more expected and where looking into someone's eyes for a long period of time is seen as disrespect. Some of us have to fight those cultural norms because the reality is you've got to go with the culture of the organisation or the company that you are interviewing for. And in Australia in particular, eye contact is very important to build trust because the idea is if you can look someone in the eye and talk to them confidently, you're a trustworthy person. Whether we like it or not, that is people's perception of it. That's the cultural norm. So practising maintaining eye contact is very important. The other thing that's really important with eye contact is actually it engages your audience in what you're trying to say. So, again, back to that, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. The people with fantastic eye contact, but not in a kind of creepy way where you're sort of staring someone down, by the way, listeners. Don't do that, because that can be off-putting. But when you are particularly uh, in a room with multiple people, share your eye contact around. And look someone in the eye for a long enough period to really make what you're saying stick, penetrate... And then move on to the other person and do the same. So share your eyes around. And then, of course, if you're in a one-on-one situation, don't worry about looking away or looking down momentarily because, as I said, staring someone down can be make someone anxious, actually, particularly if that person also doesn't like eye contact. So play with these things, but definitely look people in the eye. Practice on how long to look them in the eye before you look away. It's going to be different for different people. But I promise you, eye contact can make or break a communication. And practising and getting better around eye contact is highly desirable. Big tip that I'm giving from me to you, it really can make or break the outcome that you're trying to get out of that communication. The last thing, last thing I'll say is body language how you're sitting in your chair are you leaning forward are you leaning back do you are your shoulders slumped are they back what does it all look like all of that's quite important and again it's there's no exact science to it some people will prefer your shoulders back but some people will think shoulders back is too authoritarian and you need to kind of have them a little bit down All I'm saying is read the situation, but check in with yourself around your body language. If your shoulders are slumped, ask yourself why. Because if you're speaking in hushed tones and your your shoulders are down, the person receiving your communication is going to think, oh my God, they don't believe in what they're saying. They're not energised by their message. They're not energised by what they're trying to say. So why would I be energised by it? Remember, the listener of your communication is getting a message from you and most of the time you're asking them to do something as a result of that communication or you're trying to impress them with what you're thinking or you're trying to get them to share your excitement about an idea. Body language, how you're sitting is all very, very important. People ask me, you know, should I sit forward? Is sitting forward aggressive? Is sitting back aggressive? lazy or, you know, will people think that I don't care enough? Again, no exact science. Play around with it. In general, when you sit forward, the listener of your story or the interview will think that you're quite interested in what they're having to say. When you're leaning in, it sort of shows interest and engagement. Equally, sitting upright is good Sitting too far back, I personally don't like that. So, when I'm in meetings and people are reclining excessively and sitting back, to me personally, it feels like they're disengaged and somewhat arrogant, like they're not truly wanting to listen to what I have to say. So, if you want my personal preference... I would, if you're sitting, either sit upright or slightly forward, never really fully reclining back. But other people will tell you different things. That's just my impression. Have you had any experiences like that, James?
0: In in interviews, I, as I've pre- previously said, I generally black out at, at points. I don't really remember how I was poised or positioned. Um, I sort of naturally... Lean a little bit in, straight back, lean a little bit in. And I try to make lots of eye contact, but um, between people. And a big point is, I kind of don't worry about my body, I just worry about my eyes. Because if my eyes are engaged, then I feel like my body will follow suit. It's kind of like a something from golf, for instance. I don't worry about the swing. I just worry about where I'm trying to end up or focusing on the ball and let, let it just sort of happen. And that that's just what I kind of do. I find that if I'm engaged with my eyes, my body will naturally exude that engagement. Um, but, yeah, I don't really have any formal education.
1: No, no, I mean, I think that's great. You've shared some reflections with us. I think you're spot on. Go with what works for you, though, I guess. There's no right or wrong... Most importantly, though, is to stop and reflect. And if you can in the moment, do that in the moment, because I guess it's nice to reflect afterwards. But if you can stop and get on the balcony, I think we've talked about balcony and dance floor. If you can stop and get on the balcony, even when you're in that moment and go, okay, is this form of communication working or isn't it? And if not, what can I do? What can I adjust to continue to tell my story or to communicate or to get the outcome I'm after in a different way?
0: Well, I was just gonna say when before an interview starts, I generally I, I don't obviously we have nerves, but the key thing for me is that I'm excited to be there. And so if I have that excitement and instead of trying to be uptight and act all professional, I try to get to know the person that comes to say, you know, James, interview's this way, I go, G'day, how you going? lovely to meet you, how was your week? And I just try and make a personal connection and and what that does for me is it helps me forget that it's an interview and if I'm engaged and sort of mentally excited to meet this person and to share my story, then the body language comes with that naturally. So for me, I've never really had to worry about body language because I'm always trying to... Focus on something else.
1: What a great idea because it almost kind of de-stresses you, doesn't it? Like you said, it takes your mind off the fact that you're a bit nervous and anxious as we all are. That's a great tip, James.
0: It also means that when we do have the interview that it's more of a personal conversation, you know, the questions they're asking it to get to know me and, and I can, you know, reciprocate that, the vibe I guess of, mm. of the interview mm. and, and it's less about an interrogation and obviously some interviews will still be like that and that's, that's the vibe I've been talking about. If you pick up on it then you understand what kind of workplace you're potentially entering into but I find that if, if I do my best to just get to know them, be kind of happy to be there excited and just kind of treat them as potential colleagues and it's my way of getting to know them, then I sort of forget about everything else and, and I sort of naturally lean in, have good eye contact and, and I'm engaged with, with the conversation as opposed to an interrogation, if, if you will.
1: Oh, that's awesome. James, I think the other thing to, to note or to, to... well, at least I get asked quite a bit, is what do I do with my hands... So, people kind of don't know what to do with their hands in interviews, you know, do I put my hands on the table, do I put them on my lap, I don't want to fidget, because if I'm fidgeting, people are thinking that I'm nervous, they can see I'm anxious, it's all true. The only thing I'll say is I like a style where the hands are sort of just, you know, overlapping one another in front of your body on the table. I think that shows a, a relaxed kind of attitude, not too relaxed, but just that you're relaxed and ready to talk. But if you really can't do that, if your you, you sort of palms are sweaty or you feel like you'll uh, fidget, just put your hands on your lap and just relax your shoulders, put them on the lap and if, that's still, if your hands are still wanting to fidget, then just sit on your hands actually uh, just to give you that sense of calm. So, so I'd say that about what to do with your hands. I get asked that a lot. The other thing that I'd like to conclude this, this episode on is what to wear. The other thing I get asked a lot is, oh my goodness, what should I wear to interviews? And I want to share a funny story with you. So my daughter, Audrey, she was invited, you know, she was really fortunate to get an interview for a job at quite a young age and she was inexperienced, read the email and didn't quite get that it was like a proper interview and I unfortunately missed it and I didn't, get a chance to read the email either because had I ever read the email I probably would have given her some guidance on the way to turn up to the interview how she should dress anyway I happened to accompany her to this interview to make sure that she got there okay yes I can be a helicopter mum and she was dressed in kind of what you would call more like an active wear sort of look she had leggings on she'd come straight from a dance class she had a windsheeter on sneakers and she believed that, as did I, from her description, that she was attending more a sort of introductory session to the jobs and what it would all be like. Then to, at some stage later, if that all went well, to get interviewed. Anyway, as she turns up, it became abundantly obvious that actually it was an interview because everybody else was dressed ready for an interview. They were dressed in nice shirts, pants, skirts. Some were even dressed in suits. And interestingly, you know, some of them were much older than Audrey and and I'll never forget, we walked through the front door and she's just taken one look at it and like a deer in the headlights turned around to me and said, Mum, I want to go home. Anyway, look, to her credit, she was amazing and she she went and she did, they had a a group assessment, they had one-on-one interviews. It was the full shebang and she did that in the way she was dressed. She didn't let that derail her. Clearly it wasn't a problem in that moment because she actually got through to the next round which was fantastic because she shunned she she did all the things that we talked about in terms of how she could come across in interviews we did the five minute quick all right Audrey this is an interview this is what you need to think about uh, etc so we did a five minute debrief and she did very well obviously but I guess why I'm telling you this is She turned up to this interview and she hadn't really prepared. She hadn't thought about the way she needed to turn up in terms of what she was wearing to prepare herself for the rest. And when you don't dress appropriately, what that can do is derail you and make you feel more anxious than you need to, to then deal with the main game, which is how do you sell yourself in the interview process, what you say, how you say it, et cetera. So my advice to you would be, if you are going for an interview in a corporate... You don't have to wear a full suit and tie if you don't want to. Turn up with a suit and tie, or a, a skirt suit, or a pant suit if you're a female with a shirt, heels, etc. Do that if that's what feels right for you. But my advice is overdress rather than underdress, because when you overdress, I guess the, the worst-case scenario is that you you stand out anyway. And most of the time, if you prepare in that way the people that are interviewing you are going to think, wow, this person's really taking it very seriously. Consequently, though, if you do get an email that says, we are a very casual dressed environment, then don't overdress because what that will say to the people interviewing you is, you probably can't read information, one, digest it and then do something after that. If they're telling you that it's a casual environment, then probably turning up in a collared T-shirt and jeans and some sneakers is fine or a T-shirt and chinos or a you know, a, a nice top and a skirt or jeans. All of those things are appropriate if you're turning up to somewhere that has told you that they're casually dressed. So... I guess there's a spectrum of opportunity to choose from there. My advice would be overdress rather than underdress so that when you arrive like Audrey did and you are so underdressed that it doesn't then throw you off and you can't be your best self in the interview process. So that's my piece of advice around how to dress and hopefully all that we've talked about in this episode is going to help you to prepare more mentally and Uh, I guess, physically for for the interviews and for your presentations and for the way you communicate with others. Any final words from you, James? Actually,
0: yeah. Uh, Before we wrap up for another episode, we still need to do our summary of the episode. So uh, let's get to it. The most successful people focus on how they're going to say things, not necessarily what they're going to say. Practice speaking clearly and concisely without the use of bridge words like um or so. Instead, focus on using pauses effectively to separate messages and it also gives you an opportunity to plan what you're going to say next. Take the time to think about what you're going to say before you say it. Make it a point to get out of your comfort zone and practice your communication skills, even if it's scary. It's the only way you'll get better at it and just remember, the mirror doesn't count. Use voice inflections to help maintain interest and help with emphasis. Pacing is key to helping sell your message. Too fast and you can lose people. Too slow and they can think you don't care or don't know. Understand that there are different cultural norms when communicating and you should take that into consideration when communicating with different people. Eye contact engages the audience in what you're saying. It adds value and authenticity. Check in with yourself whilst you're talking and think about the message your body is saying, because it can tell a different message than the one your words are saying. Are you leaning back? Are your arms crossed? Are you leaning forward? And what do those actions mean relative to the message you're saying with your words? Sometimes focusing on something else can help you naturally have positive body language. Ren's advice for how to dress for an interview is overdress instead of underdress, unless they tell you otherwise.
1: Well, listeners, thank you so much. Another episode done and dusted, and we are absolutely loving just, you know, sharing our journey with you, imparting any kind of tips and tricks we can to to make life a little bit easier for you as you navigate the other side. On to the next episode and uh, speak to you next time.
0: Catch ya.